Chapter Twelve of the Girls of Friendly Terrace by Harriet Loomis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve Dorothy Goes Shopping. Dorothy, if you don't keep still, how am I ever going to get your legging on? Peggy's protest paralyzed Dorothy's dancing feet for exactly fifteen seconds by the clock. It was an occasion for dancing and hand clapping and little gurgles of laughter. Dorothy was going downtown to do her Christmas shopping, and the friskiest of Santa Claus's reindeers could not have outdone her in capers. I guess I'll buy Grandma some fumery, she announced, as her youthful aunt, flushed a becoming pink by the violence of her exertions, struggled with the refractory leggings. And I'll bake Grandpa a naughty mobile and dick a candy cane. There was no purpose of partiality in Dorothy's apportionment of her gifts. She adored her grandparents equally, and really preferred Dick to any other member of the family, since he was the only one of the number who could turn somersaults, an accomplishment Dorothy esteemed above all others. But if an automobile was desirable, so was a candy cane. Dorothy had not reached the value point of estimating a gift by its money value. "'Your present is all by Aunt Peggy. Grandma did it, but it's a secret. Want me to tell you?' "'Oh, no!' Peggy left off buttoning Dorothy's coat and clapped her hands over her ears. "'You mustn't tell secrets,' she explained hurriedly. "'They're to be kept till Christmas.' "'But I don't like secrets to keep,' protested Dorothy, unconsciously voicing the sentiments of some older people. "'I like em to tell. Aunt Peggy, your present's white with pink edges and—' The entrance of Mrs. Raymond, with six shining new pennies to add to Dorothy's Christmas funds, diverted her thoughts from the dangerous topic. If each of the glittering coppers had been a gold piece, they could not have been received with greater rapture. Dorothy galloped about the room, planning Christmas benefactions with the reckless liberality of a millionaire, and Peggy was so encouraged by this rapid development of generosity as to suggest, "'And you're going to buy something for the poor children, aren't you, Dorothy? The children who don't have any Christmas?' Dorothy reflected. Suddenly her little face blossomed into a pensive sweetness beautiful to see. "'I know, Aunt Peggy,' she exclaimed, with the triumph of one who has found a happy solution to a puzzling problem. "'I know. The poor children can have the outside of my nuts.' "'The outside? Why, she means the shells, mother. I don't see how you can laugh.' Peggy looked reproachfully at her mother, who had suddenly become interested in the view from the window. "'Think how terrible it would be if she should grow up selfish.' "'She has time to outgrow lots of things, dear, while she's growing up,' said Mrs. Raymond comfortingly and turned to kiss the rosy mouth of her impatient granddaughter. As Peggy and Dorothy went hand in hand down the stairs, a little voice was wafted back to her. "'Your presence a secret, Grandma. It's going to be boom!' And Mrs. Raymond guessed that a resolute hand clapped over Dorothy's two communicative lips accounted for the sudden breaking off of the sentence. Dorothy had been so excited over the prospect of spending her twenty-six cents that Peggy deemed it best not to mention the momentous interview which was to precede the shopping. On the way downtown, she broached the subject. "'Dorothy, how would you like to see Santa Claus?' Dorothy immediately stood up on the seat. "'Aunt Peggy!' she exclaimed with trembling earnestness. "'Are we going to the North Pole?' "'I'm afraid we're not bundled up enough for such a cold journey,' laughed Peggy. But I guess we'll find Santa on the third floor at Myers and Bates, and if he's there, you can tell him what you want most for Christmas. If I ask him for a dolly baby's carriage, do you suppose he'll shake his head? cried Dorothy, lurching as the car jolted. 
and precipitating herself into Peggy's arms. "'Will he remember how I slapped Sally, "'cause she wouldn't let me eat out of Taffy's plate?' "'Probably he'll forgive you for that "'if you're very, very sorry,' returned Peggy, "'smiling as she thought of the gift stored at Priscilla's "'to be safe from Dorothy's prying. "'Anyway, it won't do any harm to ask him.' On the third floor of the department store, as Peggy had conjectured, a somewhat bored and stolid-looking Santa Claus distributed mechanical pats on the heads of the children gathered about him, and nodded encouragement to their artless confidences. Dorothy gazed with half-fearful fascination at his wealth of snowy hair, looking all the whiter in contrast to his florid complexion. Whether or not Santa Claus in the flesh fell short of her expectations, Peggy did not know but whatever the explanation, she found it necessary almost to drag Dorothy to the august presence. Her turn came after an interminable waiting. A big hand patted the top of Dorothy's head, and a deep voice asked, "'And what you after wantin' for Christmas?' Considering a lifelong residence at the North Pole, Santa Claus's accent was surprisingly suggestive of Tipperary. Dorothy did not reply, and Peggy nudged her. "'Tell him what you want for Christmas, darling.' "'A pair of mittens,' Dorothy said faintly. "'Mittens!' exclaimed the astonished Peggy. "'Why, I thought—' But Santa had nodded and clapped his hand on the red head of the boy next in line. "'And what would this foreign lad be wantin' for Christmas?' The two moved on. Then Dorothy hid her face in Peggy's skirts, smothering a wail. "'I don't like Santa Claus,' she sobbed. "'And I hate mittens. I'll throw em away. I'll let Taffy eat em up. "'Then why did you tell him you wanted mittens?' asked Peggy, fighting back her laughter, as she realized the seriousness of the situation from Dorothy's point of view. "'Cause he didn't look as if he'd given me a doll carriage. He looked as if I hadn't been a good girl. Oh, dear, oh, dear!' The situation was becoming embarrassing as Dorothy's sobs grew more and more violent. People turned to stare, and Peggy hastily suggested a remedy. I tell you what, Dorothy, we'll go back and tell him it was a mistake and that you really wanted a doll carriage. Though this suggestion had the effect of drying Dorothy's tears, it was some time before she could be persuaded to act upon it. When they again presented themselves in the line of supplicants, Dorothy hung back and Peggy acted as spokesman. Santa Claus, this little girl made a mistake when she asked you for mittens. What she really wants is a nice doll carriage so she can take her dolly out riding. Santa Claus looked at Dorothy's pink eyelids, and cheeks still stained with tears, and a sudden attractive change came over him. He looked less like a tired, red-faced man getting through the drudgery of his day's work, and more like the jolly saint of the chimney and fireplace. A twinkle appeared in his eye. "'I think meself tis a sensible change,' said Santa Claus, still with a surprising richness of accent. "'And twould be no wonder, my little dear, if you got them both.' and a matter of small trifles beside and with the gorgeous indefiniteness of this promise sounding in her ears it was small wonder that dorothy went away radiant twenty-six cents is easily spent under certain conditions and then again its investment is a matter requiring the most profound deliberation and accompanied by frequent changes of mind the amount of time and consideration dorothy found necessary before reaching a conclusion passed belief the good-natured Christmas crowd surged about her as she stood immovable before a counter, gazing dreamily on the articles displayed, and responding to Peggy's hints with a reproving, "'Shh! I'm thinking!' But at last her funds were expended, and presents provided for the entire family. 
as dorothy would not listen to the suggestion that anything should be sent both she and peggy had their arms full of knobby packages anything but small for the size of a christmas gift bears little relation to the cost once outside peggy drew a breath of relief that's over for a year she congratulated herself dorothy dear let's walk down to the next block i want to get some christmas seals dorothy who had borne up surprisingly while her own shopping was in progress now developed symptoms of weariness i'm getting awful tired in the legs aunt peggy we'll go home in a few minutes dorothy won't grandma be surprised to see all these lovely packages and won't she wish she knew what was inside thus skilfully did peggy divert the thoughts of her small companion till the tired little feet were trotting jubilantly over the pavements keeping time to joyful thoughts halfway down the block a young man stood before a jeweller's window intent on the display something in his attitude struck peggy as familiar she looked at him very closely and then her eyes flew to the sign over the door king and kennedy peggy came to an abrupt halt a sudden anger blazed in her eyes righteous indignation made her oblivious to everything but its exciting cause for the young man by the jeweller's window was graham wiley and peggy could not doubt that he was racking his brains to decide on a suitable christmas gift for maud it was not peggy's habit to evade responsibility by the thought that a thing was none of her business she pushed her way through the crowd and stood at graham's elbow good afternoon graham's start was of course due to a guilty conscience though the face he turned on peggy was exasperatingly non-committal and cheerful hello peggy come over to see the sparklers i don't care much about jewellers windows peggy said with severity what's the use of looking at a lot of things you can't afford to buy and then getting to want them and making yourself miserable graham chuckled that may be all right for some folks he replied but your remarks don't apply of course to wealthy individuals like myself i'm thinking of buying up a few of the novelties before i go home as christmas remembrances for my friends he looked at peggy smilingly as if he expected her to appreciate the joke meeting the unblinking gravity of her gaze his face changed slightly i don't believe any real friend of yours would want a very expensive present from you exclaimed peggy too indignant to realize that she was on dangerous ground because of course you can't afford it a little irritation mingled with graham's surprise naturally a fellow just finishing college and dependent on his father for every cent isn't going to blow in much for jewellery he replied with an air of wishing to change the subject some of these designs are great peggy even if we can't buy them are they peggy looked resolutely over the display as if defying temptation it's an enterprising firm continued graham mystified by her unusual manner they're great on advertising the first ad i got from them nearly took me off my feet it was gotten up like a letter what peggy's sudden ascension of breathless interest was as incomprehensible as her previous air of disapproval a letter tell me about it graham why there isn't much to tell it reads like a note of thanks for different presents you've sent it brings in the name of the firm once or twice and puffs him up in an accidental way the mother of one of the fellows read his and thought it was the real thing he had no end of trouble explaining it this time peggy joined in graham's laughter and she was thankful that ruth's unconscious brother did not guess the tension of feeling beneath her merriment peggy only wished she had wings to fly to ruth and tell her that all was well she fought against an alarming impulse to cry on the spot to relieve her own overcharged heart but as it happened the fates had provided another outlet there was no immediate danger of peggy losing her head from joy 
where's dorothy she flung the frightened question full in graham's face the young fellow stood staring dorothy was she with you yes she was right here she can't have gotten far away oh how could i forget her how could i they pushed through the crowd to the curb looking wildly in both directions standing at graham's elbow peggy babbled on almost incoherently red coat graham and a red hood it was only a minute ago oh why did i do it can't you see a little girl all in red oh what will mother say look here peggy you want to keep your head the sharpness of graham's tone was like a dash of cold water disagreeable but effective dorothy won't be hurt because she's out of your sight for a minute but if you're going to be any help you must stop this peggy gasped a little and followed meekly pale and trembling but controlling herself by a mighty effort the policeman at the corner had not seen any little girl in red wandering off by herself but he took a reassuring view of the situation if you haven't found her in twenty minutes call up stark street station they're getting em there just now at the rate of twenty a day twenty minutes it was long before peggy could hear that measure of eternity named without thinking immediately of a seemingly interminable and altogether miserable stretch of time in which she seemed to experience enough contrition and agonized foreboding for a half-dozen lives isn't it time to telephone graham she asked again and again and each time graham answered with amazing patience not yet peggy don't be scared everything will be all right in twenty minutes they had had time to search both sides of the street through the crowded shopping district scanning the kaleidoscopic crowd in search of a little girl in a red coat and hood their faces lighting up at every glimpse of that cheery color and falling again as a closer look failed to reveal the object of their search at length the endless twenty minutes were up and graham went to telephone peggy waited for him at the corner and on graham's return she clapped her hands over her ears later graham wondered why but at the time he was only thankful that it was not necessary for him to tell the bad news peggy lifted her eyes to his face and on the instant read the truth she isn't there she gasped oh graham ruth's brother took her by the arm brace up peggy he urged kindly i guess we didn't give them quite time enough i'll call him again in another ten minutes suppose we he never got any further for at the moment someone pulled peggy's sleeve and peggy turning looked down into a beautiful face strictly speaking it perhaps lacked the elements of which beauty is supposed to consist under the carroty hair innumerable freckles stood out in bold relief against the layers of grime while the absence of a front tooth sacrificed in a fight gave a peculiar impressiveness to the smile but to peggy the countenance was beyond criticism for it was the face of jimmy dunn and he had dorothy by the hand she's a great kid she is exclaimed jimmy dunn with his hoarse chuckle there was a santa claus with a banter advertising a sale of christmas trees down on block street and she up and trots after him i seed her and i know she belonged to you so i fetched her along back if i hadn't found you round here i was going to take her home jimmy old man graham exclaimed you're all right he slapped the boy's shoulder with a good fellowship which meant more to jimmy dunn than a dollar bill meanwhile peggy was crying over dorothy who in her eagerness to impart a great discovery of her own was quite indifferent to the emotions of her relative aunt peggy she cried breathlessly what do you think there's two of santa claus two of him aunt peggy graham took them home telling peggy good-naturedly that she wasn't fit to be trusted and peggy was too thankful to be taken care of to resent the implication the car was crowded and peggy was glad of the opportunity this gave her to hold dorothy on her lap and indulge in surreptitious hugs 
graham sat across the aisle and laughed at them both with the vast superiority of a collegian he was a nice santa claus aunt peggy was dorothy's only defence when reproached for her abrupt departure i asked him for lots of things a dolly and another dolly and a naughty mobile and a gold watch and a new house and a picture book oh dear aunt peggy i wish i told him another dolly beside graham left his charges at peggy's door as the early winter dusk was veiling the sky he was half across the street when peggy called after him graham oh graham please tell ruth to come over here as quick as she possibly can all right graham responded and smiled to himself Peggy wanted to tell Ruth all about Dorothy's disappearance, of course, and her rescue, as if it were an affair of thrilling moment. Knew she'd turn up, all right, thought Graham, puffing out his chest and congratulating himself on being superior to the weakness of girls, even the best of them. He little guessed the real importance of the news Peggy had to tell, or the difference it was to make in his sister's Christmas. When Ruth came back presently, moist around her lashes, and stooped to kiss him, as he sat poring over the evening paper, he was far from suspecting that in that kiss there was a penitence as well as the love of which he was so sure. Dorothy had been asleep an hour when Mrs. Raymond bethought herself of a question which the exciting character of Peggy's return had temporarily banished from her thoughts. "'By the way, Peggy, where are Dorothy's Christmas presents?' Peggy sat up straight, stared at her mother, and let her work drop to the floor. "'Mother Raymond!' well what is it child mother they're lost lost you don't mean all of them i'm i'm afraid so peggy looked shamefacedly at the carpet we both had our arms full and i'm sure neither of us had a bundle coming home in the car i suppose when i found dorothy was lost i let everything drop and when dorothy saw the santa claus she probably did the same said mrs raymond laughing a little it isn't a great loss as far as their value is concerned but I'm afraid she will be dreadfully disappointed. I can slip downtown tomorrow, mother, and get duplicates of everything, but I guess I'll go alone. I don't feel equal to taking Dorothy shopping again till Christmas is over. Peggy stole into Dorothy's room as she went upstairs to bed, just to make sure she was really there. The little face against the pillow was charmingly angelic. Dorothy asleep showed no traces of the mischief and elfishness which rendered the Dorothy awake a care as well as a delight. As Peggy stood looking down on her, Dorothy moved restlessly and murmured the wonderful contribution that day had made to her fund of knowledge. There's two of Santa Claus. End of chapter 12